1: Welcome to another episode of The Carolyn Glick Show. One of the uh, things that we've learned very clearly in this uh, past uh, four months of war is that all of the criticism that people had been uh, saying about UNRWA, the UN Relief Works Agency for the Palestinians, the organization that's responsible for taking care of the so-called Palestinian refugees in Judea, Samaria, in Gaza— in Lebanon, in Syria, uh, in Jordan and other countries, that it's actually a terrorist organization. We saw that uh, UNRWA employees actually participated in the slaughters of October 7th actively. They murdered Jews. They they abducted uh, Israelis back to Gaza, dead ones in some cases, uh, to hide their bodies. They um, hid hostages. They held hostages in their homes. uh, the the latest count that the IDF made was that on the UN ro- on the UNRWA roster in Gaza, 10 percent of the employees are uh, Hamas members, which is probably a major lowball, as I've spoken about on the show before. Back in 2014, in our in our previous round of war with with Hamas, uh, the IDF had stated that upwards of 90 percent of UNRWA employees were actually affiliated with Hamas, and um, we've had Hamas the Hamas. Uh, Major hub communication server farms located underneath UNRWA's headquarters in Gaza City. Um, So we've been seeing that essentially UNRWA is just part of Hamas. Um, And we had a a conference uh, this week that took place in Geneva by the UN Watch organization, which has been instrumental in highlighting uh, UNRWA's involvement in terrorism and, and UN corruption and racism more generally for many, many years. And Hillel Neuer, uh, the head of uh, UN Watch, uh, invited some illustrious uh, experts on the issue of UNRWA and UNRWA funding and UNRWA employees, etc. And one of the, I think, the most illustrious person that uh, he managed to bring to Geneva was a woman named Bonnie Glick, who also happens to be my sister. Um, and I could think of no better person to talk about UNRWA with than Bonnie, uh, Bonnie Glick. So first of all, hey, sis.
0: Hello, Carolyn. It
1: is great to see you. It's great to be having you on my show and, and really weird, I guess, but what first. So let me just tell you guys a little bit about my big sister. So uh, Bonnie um, served as a U.S. foreign uh, uh Foreign Service officer in Ethiopia and uh, in Nicaragua. She had stints at the State Department and Operations Center and at the the U.S. uh, Security Council uh, in the White House, the White House Security Council uh, during her service in the Foreign Service, and she's a businesswoman. She worked for IBM. And then under Trump, she uh, served as the Deputy Administrator of the United States uh, Agency for International Development, USAID, and she played an instrumental role in guiding the Trump administration's policy in defunding the Palestinian Authority because of its sponsorship of and and financing of terrorism under the table terrible force law that's illegal and also in defunding UNRWA. So first of all, Bonnie, uh thanks so much for being on the show. And and by the way, you're also a senior fellow now at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies in Washington, DC. So um, so, so, I think that there's no better person to talk to than Bonnie about Unra. So, Bonnie, first of all, um talk to me a little bit about uh how the particularly the Trump administration was looking at the Palestinians and looking specifically at UNRWA when they were thinking
0: about funding. Uh, sure. And Carolyn, thank you very much for having me on your podcast. I can think of no podcast more illustrious than this one too to go on and to talk about really the very important issue of UNRWA uh, and the way that the international community, particularly international donors, has been shankhied by uh, UNRWA, by the United Nations, by the Secretary General, and by uh, the leadership of the UN Relief Works Agency for Palestinians, UNRWA. Uh, UNRWA is a 75-year-old UN agency that was set up to be the temporary organization that focuses on providing relief and services to Palestinian refugees in the wake of the 1948 Israeli War of Independence when uh, a few hundred thousand Palestinians uh, became refugees. They left their homes uh, at the behest of their Arab brothers to uh, await the return to Palestine to uh, take over lands that the UN had determined were the state of Israel, as well as further lands that they abandoned, uh, and that Israel, that are part of Israel, that are part of the state of Israel. Um Yet they have remained since 1948 in this uh, refugee status. And uh, they've, as you mentioned in your opening, there are UNRWA offices in uh, Gaza, in Judea and Samaria, in Lebanon, uh, Syria, and Jordan and all of those offices are designed to care for Palestinian so-called refugees. Now one thing that a lot of people don't understand and they don't understand why I call them so-called refugees is I'm going to give an example of how in a normal world refugee status uh, is addressed. In a normal world you have the UN High Commission for Refugees, and the UN High Commission for Refugees is responsible for helping refugees of war, uh, political asylees, people who can no longer live in their home countries. The UN High Commission for Refugees is charged with helping those people resettle into a third country. Now, as an example of how this should be done, the United States was built as a haven for people who were oppressed around the world. Refugees come to America and they are resettled. Their children are educated and they have hope for a better life for themselves and for future generations. But future generations are not called refugees. They're called Americans. They're resettled in a third country. And in the case of Palestinians, you have so-called refugees who have been born in Gaza or Judea and Samaria or Lebanon or Jordan, and they're not given citizenship. Uh, They remain refugees. You live in Lebanon, and you're born in Lebanon. You're schooled in Lebanon, uh, but you're not Lebanese. You're Palestinian because the hope forever is that Unra will be able to help to resettle you in the land of Israel, which will be called Palestine. And so, really, you what you're these... saying is
1: that the entire, what you're really saying, Bonnie, is that the entire organization is it's about um, maintaining over generations in perpetuity uh, the aspiration to annihilate Israel, and that it's it it will. Finally, stop operating only when Israel is annihilated, so that it, by its very nature, is an organization that's geared towards uh, genocide, that's geared towards annihilation and maintaining in perpetuity an aspiration to achieve that end in the hearts and minds of Palestinians who are put into this sort of tunnel where they're not allowed to leave. And the only place that they're allowed to go is. Is uh, is massacre the only place, The only thing that they're allowed to do at
0: the end of the day is uh, is 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 destroy a country. Imagine uh, a UN agency like UNICEF, which is designed for to be the UN's children's fund. Uh, that UNICEF, which provides healthcare and education to little kids under five and under around the world, vaccinations, uh, imagine turning that upside down and teaching children to murder their neighbors, teaching children that their neighbor's land belongs actually to them, teaching children that jihad and martyrdom are the highest levels of achievement as opposed to being able to read. And this is what you have coming out of UNRWA. UNRWA has built for itself this empire of support that it provides to these so-called refugees. It provides education for the children. Well, the books that are used show maps of the Middle East that don't have Israel in them, despite the fact that Israel is a UN member state. The children are fed a healthy diet of hatred and so what does one expect to come out of a un relief agency but the toxic generation after generation of palestinian hatred for israel
1: you know then the trump administration decided to defund unra was this the reason why they decided to defund UNRU Or what was what because When when Hamas came in, I guess we should start a little bit further back. When Hamas ousted uh, the PA, and by the way, you know, this was going on well before the Palestinian Authority was ever established and certainly well before Hamas took over from the Palestinian Authority in in, uh, 2007 and when they carried out an effective coup uh, in Gaza. Um, But when Hamas came in, The U.S. Bush administration was faced with this quandary, okay, we want to support the Palestinians, but now they're ruled by terrorists. This became the truth, actually, when Hamas won the Palestinian elections in 2006, but even more so in 2007 when they pushed the uh, Palestinian Authority Fatah out of Gaza and and seized total control over the area. And so um, both uh, the uh, Israeli uh, government, the Olmert government at the time, and Foreign Minister Tzipi Livni in particular, uh, was an enthusiastic supporter of an American decision under Condoleezza Rice to massively expand America's funding of UNRWA. They said, "Oh, well, we can't give money to the Palestinian Authority because now it's run by Hamas. Uh, so let's just give all the money to UNRWA." Um, wh- why would they? What do you What do you understand the rationale? for that decision being that they saw UNRWA as some sort of pure, uh, UN, uh, impartial body that wasn't controlled by Hamas, but it,
0: it, it enabled Hamas. I, think that, I mean, it engendered Hamas yeah. really. The, uh, I think the, um, naive belief that UN agencies cannot be corrupted, um, at the start of the Bush administration was, um, misguided. But I also think that over the course of the eight years of the Bush administration, it became clearer and clearer to people who focused on UN issues that that was wrongheaded. They're still run by people, and they're still run by people who can be bought, uh, who can be paid off, who can take kickbacks. Uh, We saw it, it with peacekeeping operations that were rife with sexual assault and human trafficking. But we were willing, it seems, uh, to look at UNRWA as, well, it's the least bad option when it comes to providing assistance to the Palestinians, which leads us then to several years later, an Obama administration later. During the Obama administration, uh, the coffers of UNRWA became fat. Uh, The leaders of UNRWA became fat and happy. Um, and UNRWA was given a level of legitimacy simply because it was the o- perceived as the only game in town. Uh, and it, it operated largely without a whole lot of oversight, uh, either from the United Nations um, uh, General Assembly or from the Security Council or from donors. Um, Now, under the Trump administration, we took a very hard look at assistance that was going to Palestinians in general. The Palestinian Authority supports a program, indeed it finances a program, uh, that we refer to as pay to slay, wherein Mahmoud Abbas authorizes that salaries be paid to Palestinians in jail, and if they've been neutralized, lifetime perpetual annuities for their families to celebrate the murder of Israelis. What happens when they go out and they murder Israelis? Every once in a while, they kill somebody who's not Israeli, and they killed a young man named Taylor Force. Taylor Force was an American veteran, a graduate of the United States Military Academy at West Point, and he was murdered when he was on an entrepreneurship trip to Tel Aviv Uh, in cold blood, stabbed to death. And his murderer was um, neutralized, but his family receives in perpetuity an annuity for that martyred death. Uh, And the United States said enough already. And our Congress passed a law and President Trump signed it called the Taylor Force Act, making it illegal for the United States to offer any development assistance to uh, any entity that would benefit the Palestinian Authority. Taylor Force Act could have even more teeth in it. It could include humanitarian assistance as well, but it doesn't. It's just development assistance. In any case, it was a block on aid to Palestinians. And so, Some suggested that a way around that, so that we could continue to give aid to Palestinians and circumvent American law, might be to go through UNRWA. We said, uh, no, you missed the point of the law. The law is designed to punish the entity that is continuing to pay for the murder of American citizens in Israel. So we cut funding to UNRWA as well. We also knew and had been hearing from organizations like UN Watch here in Geneva, where I am today. We had been hearing for years that UNRWA is a corrupt UN agency. It's in cahoots with the Palestinian Authority. It's in cahoots with Gaza. Well, lo and behold, the Israeli war in Gaza has demonstrated just how deeply tied UNRWA is to Hamas terrorists, so much so that underneath UNRWA's headquarters in Gaza was an enormous tunnel, uh, well-built, packed with cement, uh, as are all of Gaza's tunnels, that was donated by uh, donor countries to UNRWA. And it was diverted to form this massive subterranean uh, city through which uh, Hamas has operated, into which Hamas kidnapped uh, hostages, and all of which is supported by UNRWA. The only problem for UNRWA is that the world found out. For all of these years, UNRWA has secretly operated in cahoots with uh, Hamas, and now it has been Uh, Unmasked, and the world has seen just how closely tied UNRWA is to Hamas. UNRWA employees participated in the October 7th massacre. Here in Geneva, yesterday we held a summit uh, under UN Watch um, called A Future Beyond UNRWA. And what does it look like? One of the participants in the conference was a mother named Ayelet Samerano. Her son, Yonatan, was murdered on October 7th at the festival, and his body was kidnapped from the street where he was murdered, kidnapped by an Unra employee, a social worker, uh, who, along with a buddy of his, grabbed Jonathan's body, put it into an UNRA van back of an UNRWA vehicle and drove it into Gaza, where his body is being held hostage along with 134 other hostages. This close connection, caught on camera, is the kind of thing that has UNRWA's leaders now, as well as UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres, freaking out. Because they've been caught. They've been caught red-bloody-handed. And they're doing anything and everything that they can to cover up these incredibly close, intimate ties between UNRWA and uh, thousands of UNRWA employees and Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad inside Gaza.
1: So, you know, one of the things that you mentioned just now that I found, um, I I mean, I guess it's it's illuminating. It's just how people in, in the U.S., are tied to this concept of the U.S. must fund the Palestinians to the point where once it came out and Congress decided to act on the fact that the PA is funding and in, and sent incentivizing murder of Jews or non-Jews in the case of Taylor Force and so many other foreigners who they've also killed, um, They uh, the, the powers that be in the Washington... Um, bureaucracy wanted to figure out a way to get around it. Like their first thing wasn't, okay, we're going to stop funding the Palestinians, but rather, how do we get around this? How do we, how do we square this circle so that we're going to be able to continue to fund the Palestinians? Where do you think that comes from? this this willful blindness to the problem and this constant insistence that no matter what, we have to figure out a way, to keep American tax dollars going to the
0: Palestinians, by hook or by crook? Carolyn, I don't have an answer as to why people so willfully look the other way, uh, other than a naive belief that maybe deep down all people really are good on some level. Truth is, uh, these are not good people. And... Uh, not good people should not be given American taxpayer dollars. I'll take it a, a step further, and under the Biden administration, it isn't just that they've looked for ways around the law. The law is the Taylor Force Act. That is a law in a bipartisan past Congress signed by the president. It has not been overturned. It is illegal to provide economic support to Palestinians that might benefit the Palestinian Authority. All monies going to Palestinians benefit the Palestinian Authority because money is fungible. And if a program goes to help a school in Janine, that's money that the Palestinian Authority then doesn't have to pay the school and instead can use to pay salaries of terrorists. But didn't the U.S.
1: government let me just add, wait, just to be clear, I-, I thought that the Biden administration actually just is completely disregarding Kepler Force directly that there are they have renewed funding to the Palestinian Authority to the tune of I think five hundred million dollars. Am I wrong? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Uh, and they they do it by funding NGOs uh, and that they say, um, the funding then I, it must be that they say, I don't know this because I haven't seen the written justifications that they have for this type of funding, but they must be providing Congress with some kind of fig leaf of justification that says that this money, this funding for, Uh, Children studies in Janine or vaccinations at the East Jerusalem Hospital, that that doesn't, by extension, free up funding for the PA to pay terrorist salaries uh, for the murder of Americans. And so in their minds, they've twisted this in such a way that allowed them to reopen the USAID mission in Israel which serves uh, what they refer to as the West Bank and Gaza. Uh, We shut that mission down, Um, sent all of the American employees to other countries and uh, attrited some of the local staff as well as reassigned local staff to other aid missions. But they didn't take seriously in the Biden administration the nature of the law of the Taylor Force Act. They've looked for ways to skirt around it. Additionally, as it relates to UNRWA, they started the spigots up again on UNRWA almost as soon as they came into office. And so as we sit here in 2024 now, uh, they have funded UNRWA the Biden administration with over a billion dollars. There had been zero going in the time that I was at USAID, so it was a very, very rapid ramp up of funding. When you have any kind of large-scale re-up, a billion dollars is a lot of money. You have to wonder where the oversight is of all of that funding. Who's minding the store? Who's watching to make sure that this is uh, reasonable use of US taxpayer money. And I would say there certainly is not an, enough oversight of that money.
1: That's actually crazy when you think about it. You have this organization that has a history, even in 2021, when Biden came into office supporting terrorism, of educating for terrorism, of being aligned with FAMAS and Fatah and any and other Palestinian terrorist organization, Aflid Jibril um, in Lebanon. And you give them just a billion dollars straight up, um, you are pouring massive amounts of money into uh, in, in, into a terrorist system, into a system that is adjacent to, aligned with, immersed in, conjoined with terrorist organizations. Um, what do you expect to happen? I mean, it really is like, a,
0: you know, just a building a bomb. No, it's it, it, uh, the fox is guarding the hen house. And it's it's a terrible, terrible move. And on top of that, this is just sort of a symbolic of the hubris that exists in UN leadership. There's an article that came out recently um, detailing how Antonio Guterres, the Secretary General of the United Nations, so the big boss over all of the different UN agencies, he has all but ordered... Uh, the uh, that other UN agencies not accept donor funding to provide further aid to the Palestinians. Let me explain that a little bit. UNRWA gets the money to bring food and water and uh, educational materials and uh, fuel into Gaza. The the 18 different countries, after it became abundantly clear that Hamas and UNRWA are intimately tied, 18 countries froze funding, some defunded, but 18 countries froze their funding to UNRWA, which led to all kinds of hue and cry that children are going to be starving in Gaza. Uh, And so other UN agencies, like UNICEF and the World Food Program, indicated that they would be able to step into the breach and provide that type of assistance into Gaza. And the Secretary General has gone to these UN agencies and other UN agencies and said, thou shalt not accept funding from donors. The only entity that can take funding from foreign donors to assist Palestinians in Gaza is UNRWA. He has doubled down on the corrupt leadership of Philippe Lazzarini and his underworld bosses in UNRWA. And it is, to my mind, scandalous. That's incredible. But it it then raises the question, which I guess you were addressing
1: at the conference. Maybe you can talk about it a little bit about uh, there are two aspects to it. One is um, you know, how do you uh, if the UN says we're not going to be the organization that provides funding to the Palestinians in a way that isn't enabling, empowering, facilitating, arming, equipping, uh, providing aid and comfort to sheltering Hamas, um, then who what do you do? Uh, what what would be the response? okay, if it's not in the UN what 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 are the proposals that were put on the table at that conference? And then I guess the other question is how do we end this racket altogether of uh, refugees that are now fifth and sixth generations uh, who are not allowed to have normal lives and instead are required to become jihadist, uh, and and uh, seek martyrdom
0: in the cause of the genocide of the Jews and the Jewish state. Yeah. Uh, Carolyn, Palestinians are the only so-called refugees in the world who have their own uh, refugee relief agency, UNRWA. Every other of the tens of millions of refugees around the world is covered by The UN High Commission for Refugees. I'm not saying that UNHCR is perfect, but UNHCR has as its mandate the resettlement of refugees from whatever country in the world into third countries. And that mandate has allowed hundreds of millions of people over the course of its 70-plus year of history has allowed them to resettle and lead new lives uh, in new countries with new citizenship. Why is it that the Palestinians are the only ones in the world who don't participate in UNHCR programming? And this goes back to the establishment of UNRWA, which was really set up as a temporary organization to support Palestinians until they could uh, appreciate the right of return to Palestine and take over the land of Israel. Um, The alternatives to UNRWA that were discussed at the conference, at the summit, were basically, uh, one, uh, destroy Hamas, two, release all of the hostages unconditionally, and three, set up a time-bound, temporary, but really specifically time-bound period during which UNHCR, the High Commission for Refugees, will help those likely millions of Palestinian so-called refugees from Gaza, from Judea and Samaria, from Lebanon, Jordan, and Syria, UNHCR will help to resettle those so-called refugees into third countries, where they'll become citizens, and their children will be citizens of those third countries, like the normal refugee process. There will be Palestinians who choose to remain in Gaza, I'm sure, uh, although a much diminished number, and... uh, it's obviously a decision that the IDF and the Israeli government are going to wrestle with those remaining Palestinians. But the bottom line is that a civilian-led, demilitarized government uh, of sorts is going to have to take over the governing of the Gaza Strip uh, under uh, some sort of no, but Israeli... No, I
1: mean, it's not that I disagree with you at all. I don't. I, I guess when you think about the level of of uh, conjoining or whatever, the enmeshed nature of UNRWA in the Palestinian terrorism uh, ecosystem, organism, that it, it is it is what pushes people into it because it indoctrinates children from birth that this is what they should be aspiring to, that the natural place for them to end up is in terrorist groups um i i don't see it, it speaks to an incredible um an incredible uh, sickness inside of the u.n agencies not just this one in general and the fact that the u.n secretary general is doing absolutely everything to protect unra and say you know even UNICEF or the UN food program or whatever, that we don't want you to give any assistance to the Palestinians. It all has to go through this terrorist group. I mean, it it speaks to some pathology inside of the United Nations system itself, and I don't really see how it can be rectified. This has been going on for 75 years. Uh, in This secretary general, that secretary general, um, they, they all sort of come down in the same place. Guterres may be more in your face about it than others, but... I mean, this is this is the UN. The UN is the the system that has stood at the base of a terror complex of of, of engendering, of indoctrinating, of cultivating, and perpetuating this idea among Palestinians all over the region that their sole aspiration as human beings should be wiping Israel off the map and so I don't really see how this kind of organization the UN system uh, can be even it's like it, it it infected them from the outset but already back in 1948 I mean it, it seems to me to speak to a much
0: larger issue with the UN system in general Carolyn you're you're not wrong the reason he's in everybody's face is he got caught. He got caught, and major donors decided that they would freeze or defund uh, UNRWA, and he's left trying to figure out how do we pick up the pieces of this failed and corrupt terrorist-linked UN body. Uh, the UN has uh, a, a, is a massive beast. There are some pockets of good in the United Nations. But it has grown over its history into a system of international civil servants uh, who know better than anybody else. And they it's a self-perpetuating, self-feeding machine that is dependent on guilting the rest of the world, the, the wealthy OECD donor countries of the world guilting them into keeping it up and running and, and increasing its size uh, and increasing its mandate. So you do have a problem with the very nature of the United Nations system, but I think the way to address this is bit by bit, and the bit that has been chewed out right now is UNRWA. And if UNRWA is effectively shut down as the only relief body able to provide assistance to so-called refugees, uh, then other UN agencies will potentially get the message that corruption and links to crime syndicates and links to terrorists cannot be accepted in this world body. Um, so what would, for instance, the
1: U.S.? Uh, I mean, I know that you know the Biden administration has made uh, continuing to provide as much so-called humanitarian aid to the Palestinians, and all of this is being brought in by UNRWA, and we've seen a lot of weapons coming in as well in these supposedly humanitarian aid trucks, and it's going, uh, this Shin Bed in Israel. Has said that seventy to eighty percent of the truckloads of supplies is going directly to Hamas, so that the people that the United States ostensibly wants to serve are getting almost nothing. But um, you know, what would what would be a congressional step that could be taken uh, to curtail this uh, atrocity uh, that we're watching that the United States is demanding that Israel fund? And supply and enable this this terrorist organization, UNRA, to continue to feed Hamas war machine, and while it is holding our hostages, etc. what what could it what what would a congressional move against this look like today?
0: Well, Congress holds the power of the purse in the United States, and the funding is really a critical piece of Congress's oversight. I don't want to interrupt
1: you, but I'm just going to make it a little bit harder for you because the funding already went through. The United States said that they cut off funding to UNRWA, but I think it was like you know in the days before they made that announcement, or the hours before they made that announcement, they transferred all of the money except for three hundred thousand dollars that they had pledged to UNRWA to UNRWA, so that it was essentially. An empty statement. They they have three hundred thousand dollars that have not been allocated to UNRA, and the rest of the billion or so dollars that they had pledged went through. So, leaving the funding aside, maybe funding for next year or whatever would would be something that could not go through. But what could what could can Congress do anything now?
0: Yeah, I I think so. Congress has the ability, actually, retroactively to pull that funding back. There's legislation in both houses now that is proposing a retroactive pulling back of the funding that, as you noted, the Biden administration very rapidly tried to get out the door. Uh, It takes time for that funding actually to get to its final destination. And so this legislation um, hasn't been passed yet, uh, but it sends a signal that Congress is able to pull that funding back. Um, so all hope is not lost, although it will be complicated and hard to do. Um, so there's there and there's also funding that um, strips at, that provides military assistance to Israel and strips out the economic assistance at, and humanitarian assistance to the Palestinians. That would be the type of legislation that I would be in favor of funding that helps Israel as rapidly as possible win this war against Hamas so that the next step of rebuilding Gaza to be a a habitable place for the Palestinians who choose to remain there um, and then the the release and rehabilitation of hostages as well as the over 100,000 internally displaced Israelis who have been forced to leave their homes in the north and in the south for fear of further um, terrorist attacks on them, whether from Hamas or from Hezbollah in the north.
1: So I guess the last question I have is, what would you respond to somebody like uh, Philippe Lazzarini or Guterres who say, oh, well, we're conducting an investigation after they received proof from Israel that I think 12 Ura employees are actually terrorists that carried out Crimes Against Humanity that, uh on October 7th. Um, so they said, well, we're investigating. And the State Department, I believe, came out and said that they support a nurse investigation and good for you for investigating what happened. How, how do you look at them?
0: The horse is out of the barn. Uh, and uh, in Donald Trump language, I would say to both of them, you're fired, uh, although the president doesn't have the authority to fire either of these guys. Uh Lazzarini has the authority, I mean, uh, Guterres has the authority to fire the head of UNRWA, uh, which he has doubled down his support of. And Lord knows who would replace Philippe Lazzarini. Um, what really needs to happen is the head of UNRWA needs to be fired along with every single staff member of UNRWA. It's not just 12 People from UNRWA who p- actively participated in October 7th crimes against humanity. It turns out there are more than those 12 named employees of UNRWA who participated in the crimes against humanity on October 7th in the genocide in across the border. Uh, UN Watch has presented at least 30 more names to UNRWA. Uh, but this fig leaf of an investigation that is um, going to be conducted, there are actually two fig leaves. Uh, one is an internal UNRWA self-investigation. You and I both, along with every int- uh, every thinking person listening to your podcast, knows exactly what will come of that investigation. Uh, and then there's another investigation led by a former French foreign minister um, into uh, allegations against UNRWA. And the other lead investigators along with her have very close ties to uh, the UN agencies as well as experience working with UNRWA. So uh, these are these are not real Investigations. They're going to uh, say, give a slap on the wrist to Philippe Lazzarini. They're going to end up with a couple of people being fired, probably, uh, you know, some denunciation of those 12 names, two of whom were neutralized by the IDF. Uh, This is a ridiculous sham. And UNRWA will continue its operations until strong action is taken. And that has to come from donors. Uh, And donors have to say all funding is cut off and UNRWA must be shut down. It's really amazing when you think about it. I mean, it's an international project to
1: perpetuate uh, the Palestinian war to annihilate Israel that began really with the... uh, with the uh, UN partition plan that was passed uh, in the General Assembly in November of, of 1947, that was actually when the War of Independence began in a in a civil war where the Palestinian Arabs of the land of Israel uh, began uh, trying to destroy the nascent Jewish state, and then they were joined by the invading Arab armies in in May of 48. But I mean, UNRWA is. It, it, the project of UNRWA of maintaining their suffering and their distinct identity as as Palestinian Arabs from the land of Israel to seek to come back uh, seven you know seventy five years later um, that's an international project that's perpetuated that's undertaken by by the nations of the world that fund UNRWA in order to maintain this thing and so it's really. When you think about it, it, it the question of Luna being dissolved is really a question of the international community, such as it is ending their uh, efforts to
0: to cancel the state of Israel. Carolyn, it's scandalous the way Palestinian so-called refugees have been played as pawns by the international community since, since the very beginning of the United Nations. And this... Um, it, Part of the rationale that I put forward for having a time-bound period during which UNHCR, the High Commission for Refugees, can come in and resettle these so-called refugees into third countries, part of the reason for it to be time-bound is that it's very hard to shut down UN operations when they have been up and operating for a period of time. They just grow. They never shrink. And it has to be a moment where success is decreed, these so-called Palestinian refugees are resettled in third countries, and those who choose to remain are no longer in refugee status.
1: I couldn't agree more. Well, you know, we'll have to see what happens. But at a certain point, you just wonder, you know, who is who's actually running this war against the Jews. I think that the UN Watch operation in general and the conference that they had on UNRWA uh, in Geneva this week uh, was very is very important. It's critical, and uh, and uh, I'm not surprised that they would have brought uh, you to come speak at this conference because uh, you really do uh, know and you've been involved in trying to to, to fight, uh, this, this organization. So first of all, um, it's a real pleasure to have you on the program as the former deputy administrator of USAID Bonnie, but it's obviously, uh, the most special thing is that, uh, it's nice to have you on my shirt uh, as my sister. So, uh, guys, um, so, so thanks <laughs> and have a Thank safe flight back to Washington. Thank you so much. All right and we'll talk uh, we'll talk soon and guys uh, uh, we'll talk later on uh, this week and in the meantime stay on this space and uh, we'll see you later. thanks so much take care.